0: This podcast is supported by Lee's Grain Free. Lee's Grain Free brings convenience, affordability, and accessibility to the specialty baking category by introducing the first ever paleo cookie mix kit. I don't know what that is. It's a baking kit that contains a dry mix, liquid mix, toppings, and parchment paper. Ooh, that's a lot. Each of Lee's Grain Free's creative mix kits from orange ginger to mocha to tahini chip, Lynn, that's all you, is full of wholesome ingredients that offer you a healthier alternative to your standard dessert without sacrificing flavor. Find Lee's Grain Free on her website. Ah! (laughs) leesgrainfree.com
1: to say i don't even have a movie quote y'all i'm so unprepared oh we're
0: recording that then (laughs) it's knuckle punk time
2: i came here to do two things kick ass and chew bubblegum and i'm all out of (laughs) bubblegum
1: have fun swimming in the castle
0: (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the brackish podcast we are your host knock cliff Lynn. Uh, And it is April. It's the start of a new spring year. And you might be hearing those spring showers behind us. Uh, And this week, uh, as the song has told you, we're talking about Uptown New Orleans. And uh, Lynn's gonna give us some history on it, right? How historical are you getting?
1: Uh, I'm gonna do a brief history. And then I'm gonna tie the history of the Garden District or Uptown and with one of the most iconic dishes in New Orleans, the po' boy.
0: Oh, very nice. You heard she had to begin with briefs, right? Yeah.
1: jeez, yeah. oh, <laughs> yikes. in a nasty girl. Look, we didn't have a Mardi Gras this year. I've got a lot of, I got a lot of mischief bottled up. I can't help it. I know. And in
2: April, it's usually Jazz Fest time in a couple of weeks, Yeah. yeah. And that's pushed back.
1: It would have been French Quarter Fest, Crawfish Fest, and Jazz Fest this month. Ugh. Maybe Brunch Fest. I don't get know. get
2: vaccinated. Yes.
1: <laughs> wear a mask.
2: Or wear whatever. I don't care. Right. I yeah. want yeah. the festivals. We to want everyone to conform. Yeah.
1: That's what we're saying. Just conform. <laughs> we just want our festivals back.
0: Well, <laughs> just don't cough on us. Have you coughed in public yet?
1: I have, and I've been mortified. Yes.
2: I've like, I've coughed into my mask. Have you sneezed in public? Into my mask.
1: (laughs) My 10 year old sneezed in a Walgreens and pulled his mask down to do it. And I've never like wanted to disown him so quickly.
0: Uh, An RIP to one of Cliff's beloved heroes.
2: Uh, uh. If you got it, you get it, come with it. Well, how are you feeling, man? I know... I don't know. It's one of the first CDs I bought, back in the day.
1: Are we referring to DMX? Oh, yeah. we definitely.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, R.I.P. It's a sad day. It is a sad day. Uh, and how did he go? Was it overdose, right? Mm-hmm. Overdose, but then a, yeah, a heart, heart, heart attack heart. while... Yeah.
0: Was it the same thing that got Prince and Michael Jackson? Was it the same sort of drug? Do
2: we know?
1: I don't know. If it was
2: opioids. It? You don't know? I mean Prince is opioids. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what he was. He was doing. pretty
1: open about all of it. I mean, whatever he could get his hands on, I think.
2: Hmm.
0: Who, X?
1: Yeah, d oh, man.
0: He's so, got fifteen children out here.
1: They all got a chance to Whoa. say goodbye.
0: I don't know how many baby
2: mamas he got, but
1: he loves his baby mama. <laughs>
2: He never oh lets her go.
1: Never until the next one comes along, <laughs> apparently.
2: I love her too. <laughs> Last thing we should talk about before we get into the stories. Deshaun Watson. Oh
1: good lord. Crazy. Uh, so
2: give me the cliffs notes on Deshaun.
1: Can that just be a segment from now yeah, on? Cliff's apparently. Cliff's
2: notes. <laughs> The women are therapists. Get it? No, I don't. They're therapists. Yeah, so they, basically, I think these are like masseuses who you can get to come to your house or wherever you are. They're they're just on the road. You can say, hey, come meet me at wherever. Normally it's a house, and Mm then you just—they bring their own stuff, and you just, you know—and they're the ones who are have all the biz against him, allegations. So I don't know. It's—we don't know a lot. We just know it's 22, I think, at this point. Jeez. Crazy. Some would say he's a misogynist. (laughs) (laughs) What? Don't worry, I have more. Yeah. Uh, I think Deshawn misunderstood the meaning of tips or welcome.
1: Uh... <laughs> what?
2: In his defense, he did test technically request a hand job, right?
0: If you uh, a rub massage, a, a massage is not a hand job. It's a massage. It's with your
2: hands. <laughs> it's, a, it's a massage. It's yeah. a massage. Right. We know
0: it's called a happy ending we know.
2: Yeah, there's been plenty of, I guess you call them parlors or fronts, I don't know, that have been caught in Louisiana. And Houston, by the way. Where he was at. So, and Florida. and But he got some in California, too. So, they're all, I mean, it's crazy. And we do have exclusive audio of a Deshaun Watson phone call. And we'll play it in a little bit. Okay, so we can... We'll just do whatever. We'll do it at the break? Yeah. All right, Lynn. All
1: right. You're
0: getting us started. Yes. uh, To some, uh, take us back into town.
1: So, today we are gonna tell stories of the Garden District. And if we're talking about the Garden District, we are referring to Uptown, like Knox said. And that term, Uptown, gives you a little bit of geographic reference. So, Uptown, it's the garden district downtown is the french quarter and that term came from the people who actually created the uptown neighborhood or the garden district where uptown is now used to be the ultra elite wealthy in the new orleans area a lot of those people were from the new york area and from new york we get that river bound term like up river, down river uptown downtown so uptown's a little bit north of the French Quarter. We're talking, if you've been to New Orleans, just past, I don't know, what are we calling it right now, guys, Lee Circle? I, you, it's not supposed to be Lee Circle anymore, It's supposed to be anymore, called
2: right? Harmony
1: Circle? Or that's okay. the... Proposed name?
2: Proposed name to honor a bunch of people.
1: It's where the Robert E. Lee statue was. Yeah. yeah so you start kind of there and you go down St. Charles Avenue. And what I think is so funny about the Garden District is that the St. Charles Avenue runs right through it, but that St. Charles Front is not considered part of the Garden District. It's its own little thing because those houses are so much wealthier.
2: Oh, So you're, you're talking about the part that connects to the I guess the interstate frontage road right there at St. Charles, mm-hmm. that's really not considered the garden district?
1: So if, so roughly, roughly, the boundary is Magazine Street, Josephine Street, Carondelet, and Delache Street. And then you omit St. the houses that are facing St. Charles Avenue. For whatever reason those aren't included they so ain't it's got a no rectangle. gardens they ain't got no gardens no but the garden district was built on an old plantation it was the levadas plantation and in 1832 it became a faubourg or a neighborhood so it was faubourg levadas for a little bit And by the 1840s when a lot of american money really came flooding into the city they started to build really Uh, detailed expensive mansions with columns and things like that. The neighborhood was established by American elite money in the 1840s as an escape from the French Quarter, which was technically the city of New Orleans. And that was kind of out of all the swamps and bayous away from a lot of the mosquitoes, a lot of poverty, and a lot of the um, commingling of races that the Creoles were comfortable with that American money wasn't quite comfortable with and by the 1850s you started to hear people call that area the garden district because the homes had such big lots a lot of times the homes are built on double lots so you had a huge garden front and back where your carriage houses and things were so the garden district like that Um, some of the famous stops along the way in the garden district you've got Lafayette Cemetery number one there's not so many famous people buried in Lafayette Cemetery number one but it is famous for being so old it's one of the cemeteries that you actually have to have a guide take you through you're not allowed to wander yourself because people will deface the the, uh, tombstones or chip little pieces off and take them home as souvenirs or things like that so you do have to have a guide for that Uh, commander's palace is also in the garden district that's one of the most famous restaurants in new orleans it's one of the only places that makes you stick to a dress code gentlemen you got to wear a jacket they'll give you one i don't they might not give you one during covid but normally they've got jackets on reserve for the gentlemen if you do not have one. So, uh, another thing that the Garden District is famous for is St. Charles Avenue, where you get the St. Charles Streetcar. And that's where my story comes from today, is how the streetcar actually ended up creating the iconic New Orleans po'boy. St. Charles Streetcar started in 1835. It used to be a railway to get from New Orleans, all the way to Abita Springs, where Abita Beer is from. And it was a line that ran all the way through. Eventually, it uh, became a streetcar line. It's the oldest continuously operating streetcar line in the world. Take that, San Francisco. Right. Yeah. If you're from New Orleans, you probably refer to this as the green line, because we do have two lines. We've got the green line, it's the old streetcars on St. Charles, and then the red line will take you from the French Quarter to City Park. And the red line is the one that's new and air-conditioned. The green line is not, because those streetcars are a nationally designated historic landmark, meaning they have to be in the same condition that they would have been in the 1920s. So if you're getting on the green streetcar, you, uh, you do have seats that adjust front and back so you can move them, because the, the car doesn't really move as it goes uptown and downtown. You have to flip the seats, but there is no air conditioning on these things. So what the way the streetcar line used to run is that it was run by a couple of private companies that would run all of their own streetcars along the line. That was chaos. That was like Latoya the destroyer days kind of thing. No one knew when things were gonna show up. No one knew where they were gonna drop off. And eventually, the city took over the entire line. And in the 1920s, the New Orleans Public Service Incorporated or NOPSI was founded to consolidate public transportation, energy, and gas. And from then on, it's always been that same green street car run by the same company. Now it's called the RTA. In 1973 was when it was listed on the National Register of Historic Landmarks, and it has been the same ever since. But back to when the city took things over in the 1920s, the city happened to take things over at a time where the streetcar lines were really hazardous in conditions. They didn't really limit the amount of people that could get on the streetcars. The working conditions are hazardous. You weren't offered life insurance, health insurance. You weren't paid a fair wage. And all across the country, streetcar workers went on strike and cities were really shut down by this. No one could get to work, tourists couldn't get around. It was a really big deal. And by 1929, this had really escalated to the point That in New Orleans, the lines weren't not, it wasn't just that the lines weren't running, but the people who were going on strike were out of money. They were already underpaid and they'd been on strike so long, it was really starting to affect the city widespread. Two brothers in particular really sympathized this. In 1929, the Martin brothers had a restaurant, the French Market restaurant and coffee stand, and they served sandwiches and breakfast items and coffees and things like that. They had worked on the streetcar lines before and happened to inherit this restaurant. That's how they got out of it. Once they realized how bad the strike was, they ran a full page ad in support of the streetcar strikers that basically told them, if you're a striker, come to us, tell us you're a striker, we'll feed you for free. Now at that time, what you were gonna get was kind of a traditional French pistolet stuffed with fried potatoes Think like thick cut, steak cut French fries doused in what New Orleanians now call debris gravy.
0: Okay. <sighs> so like dis- roast beef fish gravy.
1: Yeah. Well, so you start with a whole roast. Mm-hmm. You do your pretty slices for the fancy sandwiches you're going to sell. The debris is all the scraps and trimmings goes back into the pan drippings. And maybe you thicken it up with a little bit of roux. Maybe you swept in the breadcrumbs from slicing all of your French pistolets. And that would thicken it up. So these streetcar workers would come in and they'd call themselves poor boys. They'd run out of money. So they say, hey, I'm a poor boy. I'm a union striker. I need a sandwich. Feed me. And the brother one would holler to the kitchen, give me another poor boy sandwich. So they would get that kind of torpedo shaped pistolette stuffed with the fried potatoes and then you cover it with debris gravy, wrap it in wax paper, call it a day. The problem for the Martin brothers is this started to cost them more money than they could handle because mm-hmm. a pistolette is an individual piece of bread and it's got hard rounded edges to it. So you can't make a full sandwich. So what they did was they got together with another famous New Orleans name, the Gendusa family and ask them to create a type of bread that would be really long, so you could make a couple of big sandwiches and slice them up, have kind of flatter end pieces so you didn't lose a good two inches on either side. That would be just dry bread. And they needed something that would be easy to bite into and chewy in the middle. The easy flaky on the outside, easy to bite into, meant you didn't have to use a lot of pressure, but the chewy inside meant that all the potatoes and gravy got absorbed and kind of melded together, and all your fillings don't slide out as you take a bite. And that's how the sandwich we know now as the po'boy came to be. So if you order a po boy when you come to New Orleans, and they give you a hoagie roll, you pick up your purse, and you go to another restaurant because they don't know (laughs) what they're doing. (laughs) If they don't ask you how you like your po' boy dress, you take all your beads and you go somewhere else because there is a science and always has been to this poor boy or po' boy sandwich. I think I say, I say po' boy. Do y'all say po' boy or poor boy? boy.
0: No, I say po'. Po I think
1: it's an old people thing to say poor boy.
0: Yeah, Possibly, Because yeah. that's what it's it was. Both way, Yeah. 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 I knew, yeah, I knew that it came from people being poor and buying them, mm-hmm. but I didn't know it was from that story. That's fantastic. That's I awesome. feel like the
2: Jindusa family was like, anything else? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you want this, you want this, you want this, you want this. I mean, good Lord. Uh,
1: I mean, they're still around. You want a long piece know. of
2: bread. <laughs> yeah. I can't have it too hard, too soft. You <laughs> want a you partridge in you- a pantry? What you need of it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, if I were gonna say the science of a good po boy outside of the bread, flaky on the outside, chewy on the inside, you gotta have mayonnaise. Not mayonnaise, or you could do oil if you're weird like that, but you gotta have some kind of barrier because a good po boy, you need at least three full napkins for. Let me say that in English, three or four napkins, <laughs> instead of a 3 fold napkin. Three-fo
2: pho- napkin. Yeah, yeah. At minimum.
1: <laughs> at minimum, three True. or four napkins. So the mayonnaise helps the bread from being too soggy. And then you've got what I call shredders, where you thin, thin slice some iceberg or romaine lettuce. Big pieces are going to make everything slide around. But that thin shredded lettuce help kind of makes a nest for whatever your fillings are, whether it's fried seafood, like catfish, or shrimp, or oysters, or something like a roast beef. What else have I seen? Alligator sausage. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever oh.
0: tried a French fry, Po'boy?
1: It's delicious. Oh it's the original. God. It's the Mac yes. Daddy.
0: I've yeah. always been amazed how well that
1: tastes. It's so good. Yeah. And you just, you gotta come try it. I know you're rolling your eyes. You just gotta come try it.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: But so if, you, yeah, if your po' boy's dressed, whether it's the roast beef, the french fry, or fried uh, seafood, it's mayonnaise, shredded lettuce, tomato, pickle usually, and then sometimes ketchup, sometimes hot sauce if it's a fried seafood po' boy.
2: And if you're unsure, the late, great Alan Toussaint wrote a song called Shrimp Po' Boy Dress. So if you're unsure about what and you an want And an ice
1: cold it, beer. And a cold
0: everything on it I know where I am and I know I can get it uh, so up. yeah
1: that's where po-boys came from it's all because yeah, the streetcar sucked so, so cheers to po-boys
2: cheers to so po-boys the martin
1: brothers
0: give me a shrimp po-boy oh and a cold cold beer now wherever there are people breathing you can find something to eat. But there's only one place on this earth's face where the eats greet your teeth. Give me a shrimp, old oh boy dressed,
2: and a cold, cold beer. They go so good together. All right, so exclusive audio when Deshaun Watson made a call for his masseuse. And
0: I want some of your wives. 20? No. I
1: sleep with one wife. No. She gave one baby touch. Okay.
0: <laughs> 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 piece <of> piece. <laughs> Oh, Deshaun! Oh, how far that that will fall. Yeah,
2: that's worse than Brett Favre. Yeah, I mean, what what did he do? He sent a dick. Yeah, he sent a pit. You haven't seen Brett Favre's penis yet?
1: No, I don't want to see it. We don't
2: know. (laughs) We
1: don't know. In general, I don't need to see penises. Yeah, in general.
0: Okay, I'm going to tell you a quick story about a little old lady named Gertie that was tenacious. She built a real estate empire here in the city of New Orleans. Now, Gertie in the 30s. Gertie in the 30s. 30s. Gertie in the 30s. All right, and uh, I really don't know when she was born because I can't find anything telling me when she was born. But Gertie in the 30s, all right, she was... uh, just a nice old lady. Her husband was a, uh, a banker, a businessman, and uh, she liked to play the violin.
1: I'm imagining her playing the violin on a balcony in the Garden District with all these, like, grand dumb jewels. <laughs> so you didn't mention anything about jewels. I just want her to have pearls and rings and gloves while she plays in the Garden District.
0: Now, you might think that being in New Orleans, being the first lady of real estate that Gertie was born in New Orleans, but she wasn't. She was born in Harriman, Tennessee. She moved with her husband to New Orleans in 1933. So that's why I'm saying. She was just playing the violin in the 30s. And, you know, she's sitting around playing the violin and uh, World War II happens. And she's going, you know, all right, I know the Great Depression is going to end. World War II is about to end now. And I know that, when people come back from the war, they're gonna to need to buy some houses. She sets out to build her own real estate company, and she's the Crescent City's first lady to ever do so by herself. So she does use the help of her husband, Warren, who's a former banker. He brought his financial expertise, and they start this real estate business, and they open up their first office in 1943 in Uptown. And they, are going by the principle of the Golden Rule. Remember the Golden Rule?
1: Do unto others as you would have them do unto you? Yes. Yes.
0: And that was Gertie and Warren's rule. They wanted to start a business by helping other people get into houses. So Gertie opened up this uptown office and boy, was it a hit. Selling houses left and right. Uh, She ushered in women's rights in real estate business and she began the women's movement in real estate. Uh, That was someone who is the president of the New Orleans Metropolitan Association of Realtors. And when she died, this man said that she was a pioneer. No question about it. Uh, But in 1976, so we're moving pretty fast. Uh, She became the first woman president of the Real Estate Board of New Orleans. Three years later, she was the first woman named Salesperson of the Year by Sales Marketing Executive Associations of New Orleans. And then she was named New Orleans Realtor of the Year in 1977. I keep saying her name because you know who she is. You just don't know who she is. She was the president until 1979, okay? She turned the business over to her uh, then-grandson, Glenn. And by 1999, her business, it was doing approximately annual sales of $753 million in New Orleans. When they merged with this other company, they were doing $1.3 billion in sales in 1999. Her uh, realtor group had 24 locations, 800 sales associates, and 70 staff members, okay? Like I said, she gave up the business. To her uh, grandson in 1979, she passed away in 1998. This business I'm telling you about is Gertrude Gardner Realtors.
2: Mm-hmm. I just said Gardner Real Estate because I knew I figured it was one.
0: Gardner Real Estate, and old Gertie living her life the best she knew how. Living by the golden rule and helping people out as she would want to see helped out. She still stuck around uh, with her business until the day she died, inspiring realtors to uh, kind of practice what she preached and practice what she taught them to do. Um, Ernie was affectionately referred to as the Grand Dame of real estate here in New Orleans. And it says here on bloom.com. Uh, which purchased Gardner Realtors in December of last year, 2020, uh, says her legacy is truly one that lives not only in each of her offices, but throughout the Crescent City and beyond. She was famous for running her business according to the Golden, Golden Rule. So
2: she was the first Dame Time. So Damien Lillard, the Portland Trailblazers who calls himself Dame Time, uh huh. Move over. Yeah. She's Gertie the, Grand was the first. Grady. Grand Dame. She said, Dame time, let's do this. Yeah. Let's sell this property.
0: Had she known that Dame time could have been a thing, she might have coined that term. Well, I don't know
1: if she was that aggressive. Though.
2: No, she probably, yeah,
0: she seemed pretty laid back. Fact check me. <laughs> Maybe she did have say. Have
1: you it. seen how well prepared I've been for this episode? <laughs> yes. I have no time for fact checking. <laughs>
0: Uh, So, yeah, it just shows you that anybody with uh, a little tenacity and financial stability, you can do, not to say that she needed that, I'm just saying, it helps. You can do anything you want. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, They said uh, throughout her time, uh, she didn't uh, teach violin lessons anymore, but she still played the
2: violin. See, that's another thing. You didn't know that everyone knew 7.30 was Dame time. She'd be on the balcony. Playing that.
1: There that's what it is. Would you
0: like to see this is Gertie and all her pearls? I
1: uh, just said pearls, did I not? Looking, and at she, look, she looks
0: She uh, looks Very classy Very Gertie. There's more a more with here with her Gertie her Gertie girls and, and boys.
1: Gertie girls. girls.
0: And I don't know if anybody called her Gertie. I'm just calling her Gertie because her name. Are you
1: serious? Gertrude.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I've Right all there she is. I She's...
0: could have sworn that was her name. Super pretty lady. Uh,
1: she just looks like the epitome of yeah class.
2: There is a commercial with a I think it's either a granddaughter or a great granddaughter, was named Gertrude.
0: Oh really? And there she is in her later life. Uh, also no pearls, just a little cross. Necklace and
1: oh, that's a big ass lace collar. That is, that's kind of
0: prince ish. She's wearing this huge, uh, that's like Captain Hook. What would you call that? Fluff? Uh, uh
1: pirate, pi- <laughs> Captain Hook <laughs> it, It's a pirate lace collar, but and, she's wearing
0: it. And then we see her here, right? Aww, oh,
1: cameo earrings. She 30. had an assistant
2: named Smee, not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and then you know, then her, uh, Her grandson sold the business. I mean, she's the ladder in bloom.
1: Look, we don't judge what happened in 2020. Yes, No one's judged. (laughs) She almost looks a
0: little like Betty White in her older age.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah, in that
0: one. And she is quoted here saying, It all simmers down to love. Love of people. Love of your business. Love of your family. You know, just love. Gertie Garth. But I see Love. the time is now yeah freedom for
2: and not just for some we'll have to put some pics up on the website Gertie eating a po' boy
0: while some ghosts Come
2: to the house. Maybe so. Uh, uh, stick around. Uh, We're going to uh, have a little ghost.
0: Uh, story. <laughs> uh, clip. The time is right Won't you all play me?
2: You tired? Are you struggling to find focus? Yeah. Achy joints. Oof. Grind is a revolutionary, great tasting formula that pushes you to your max potential. Grind helps focus you and gives you clarity while helping preserve your joints. Most pre-workout and energy drinks contain additives like creatine, which can bulk you up and add water weight. Grind doesn't believe in fluff. So it's like a energy powder... but it doesn't have all the extra fluff with it. It keeps you going throughout your day. It's a get you right. It's a get you right. Okay. So, good sponsor for us. If you want to know more, they got a Facebook page. They got a website, hitthegrind.com. So, it's cool. We're good friends with them. Uh, So, we're just... It's people helping people out.
0: And we don't yeah. see anything wrong with a little powder. I don't grind. see anything wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right?
1: No, just a little bit of powder. Oh, just a little <laughs> bit. A little bit of powder.
0: grind.
2: So, what I'm going to talk about lies at 2127 Britannia Street in the Garden District. I looked at a map and I can't remember which streets it's in between. So, you lazy people who are listening, Google 2127 Britannia Street.
1: Britannia's a weird street, though. It stops and starts, doesn't it? Yeah. It's one of the streets where you actually have to take a right, then a left to get back onto Britannia.
2: So, how about this? Why don't you just Google Jackson. the Mansion Magnolia?
1: Da, da,
0: da. Oh, sorry. <laughs> It's between Jackson and Josephine Street. J&J. You can see inside this house. I know. You You can
1: Zillow all sorts of houses, y'all. No, no.
0: On Google, it says, want to see inside? Yeah. And boom. All right. You in. Give me more. Give me more.
2: So this mansion was built in 1857 by a man named Alexander Harris. And he built it for his new bride, Lizzie... Johnson Thompson, say that five times fast. <laughs> was she already married? Johnson Thompson. I don't. It's that just means she has two lot. important
1: parents. Exactly. Oh, oh, okay. Mama's family was rich, obviously. Okay.
2: Yeah. And she was only seventeen at the time. So, for some reason, he said, "All right, I'm going to build this grand estate for this bride of mine." And let's be honest, like Lynn said, wealthy part. He wanted to show off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was a successful cotton merchant, and he purchased this property from a man named Rufus McElhenney for $12,000 back in 1857.
1: Of the Tabasco Tabasco. McElhenney's? Yeah.
2: I don't know. (laughs) But for the sake of this podcast, yes. Fact checks. But $12,000 in 1857 equates to around $363,000.
1: Which you couldn't buy a garden district home for that no. at this point, let's be honest.
2: So it'd be two years before the house was completed. And as it goes with hauntings or ghost stories, tragedy occurred within the home. And it's at this point where I'd like you to play BG's tragedy. So 1869, 11 years after the Harris's moved in, Alexander Harris fell victim to yellow fever. Those damn mosquitoes.
1: Damn mosquitoes.
2: And the crazy thing about this is that Alexander's own brother contracted yellow fever as well, and they both died 24 hours, within 24 hours apart. Wow. Shouldn't have went on that fishing trip, man. No. (laughs) And the brother lived at 35 bourbon street and i looked that up and i believe it's the corner of canal and bourbon and i don't 35 Bourbon yeah street? Yeah. He's on. Yeah. 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 yeah yeah so i'm not sure what is there now uh, isn't it like a i'm not gonna say a wall it's not a walgreens but it's the corner of canal and bourbon that's where his brother lived so yeah, it's a walgreens alexander lived garden district uptown the brother lived canal and bourbon yeah, is, yeah and there is yeah there is a walgreens bourbon. there i think there was a clothing store on the yeah. other side. Yes. So they br- the brothers both died 24 hours apart, and they left two dying widows. Well, Lizzie, Alexander's widow, for some reason just wanted to ensure that her sister-in-law didn't get any of the money. I don't know why. So she sued the woman for a sum of $8,400 that the brother owed Alexander sometime before his death. So oh. she knew about it, and she's like, I want my money. hmm And the kicker is that Henriette had nothing. Henriette is the brother's wife. She had nothing because Aaron wasn't very wealthy. So what she tried to do to pay off this lawsuit or whatever you want to call back then, um, was change her house into a boarding house so she could support her five children and the boarding house. And even that wasn't enough. And she lost the family home. Wow. So we don't really know any more about the brother's wife, but we know that Lizzie is a cold-hearted bitch. Yeah. She put out a family of five kids. Five kids. For $8,400. And get this. Two years after Alexander dies, Lizzie marries another man in 1871. So what do you think she did with the mansion at 2127 Britannia Street? You know the one that was built for? Mm hmm. She didn't have any attachment to it, so she sold it. Sold it. Ooh. So, who moves in? The McGinnis family. And tragedy strikes again. Dun, dun. And this is where you play BG's tragedy again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, she sold, Lizzie sold. The property to John Henry McGinnis and his family in 1879 in 1881 John McGinnis and his brother purchased the land for the McGinnis cotton mill which still stands in the warehouse district today which is the cotton mill apartments Uh huh. so this cotton mill brought in serious money to the McGinnis family but I read a little bit about cotton mills and the employees' conditions were terrible. And it took a toll on a lot of the employees. A lot of the employees were immigrants. And death wasn't uncommon in cotton mills. Or it wasn't unheard for workers to lose fingers, arms, or small children who worked in there to be caught in the machinery.
1: I feel like that's just a running theme of the time. Death and dismemberment happens.
2: Right. So... Like I said, there was a tragedy, and for anyone who's not listening, it's raining again, now it's getting, the ambiance is working. Yeah, it's, it's coming down. <laughs> this house. <laughs> so tragedy stuck, struck the McGinnis family, who lives at 2127 Bertain Street. Just 10 years after they moved in, on the 4th of July, 1889, John was struck by lightning. Jeez. And the worker. So there's people that knew John that were just devastated by it. But there were rumors going around from all the employees saying that John's death was sort of a divine retribution because of the way he treated the people who worked him. So that was the tragedy for that. The property then went to his daughter, Josephine, after her mother died in 1921. And Josephine kept that property until 1939. Maybe that's why the street is named Josephine. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe not. That's for another episode. Fact checking. <laughs> yeah, fact check fact that check. <laughs> Listen, We're not here to give you every single detail, people. <laughs> so when Josephine sold the house in 1939, she sold it to the American Red Cross. What was going on? What was starting 1939? The World War of the Second. Yes. Number Deuce,
0: Gertie was and, <laughs> about to. First. Gertie yeah. was Gertie was on the trail. She
1: probably sold out. <laughs> yes. Po'boys were were the rage. There you go. There you right. go.
2: Po'boys, Gordy, and the Red Cross. <laughs> Boom, G- Gordy. I called her Gordy. Gertie. <laughs> so there, for the entirety of World War II and the Korean War, this property was home to employees of the Red Cross. A school, a center for first aid, and a hospital service were all programs in operation at this mansion.
1: So it's totally haunted. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yet. Uh, Maybe. It's cursed right now. It's cursed right now. Okay. The hauntings haven't begun. By 1954, the American Red Cross chapter closed, and it was purchased by a Dr. Clyde E. Crassens who converted it to a a private residence once again. And that's all we have on the property as far as who had it purchased in 1950. Now here comes the hauntings. Okay. So there's innkeepers today that have said that when they close up for the night, they make sure to lock every door. But as soon as they lock every door, the lock-on hatches by itself on all of them just like the door they're unlocked they lock it boom so someone doesn't want the door locked and then when they're on the second floor the entryway has lights that they go and they can dim and when they dim them and walk away to do something else and come back the lights are completely bright Mm
1: -mm. again that ghost better help pay that energy bill
2: (laughs) I mean, I kind of feel maybe the ghosts just—if there's guests staying at the house, and they just want the lights on for the guests, right? <laughs> Still, better chip friendly in. Friendly ghosts, friendly ghosts. So the property now is a boutique hotel, and one of the rooms they have is a haunted vampire lair. And a bunch of these rooms are themed. I know it's real <laughs> cheesy, right? <laughs> so a woman staying in this room said she went to pass by the mirror and she caught a reflection of a man in the mirror. She figured it was her husband and proceeded to the bathroom to get ready for bed. When she returned back to the room, she realized her husband was nowhere to be found and the sheets were untouched. So she was very confused. And when the, suite to the, the door to the suite opened and her husband stepped through, she said, what were you doing? He said, I've been outside smoking a cigarette and I haven't been inside for the last 20 minutes. So, now the re- who was the reflection in the mirror? Mm-hmm. Wasn't her husband? The locksmith guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and he's like, opportunities. And the other guests have reported staying there that when they, in this vampire suite, that they'll... Wake. They'll come awake at two thirty a.m., two thirty to three, and feel a cool breeze across their skin, or it feels like something stroking their skin.
1: Deshawn.
2: Deshawn. Uh huh. The innkeeper. Who knows? <laughs> he would love to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> so a few years ago at this place, the Mansion Magnolia, a couple was staying there and they went and bought a 19th century bronze statue. And after spending a day in the Crescent City, they came back, they got ready for bed, they went to sleep. In the middle of the night, they heard sounds of metal creaking, like nails going down a a chalkboard, and they thought, oh, well, maybe it's somebody moving furniture. The next morning, the woman's shoes were moved, and she found him by the bathroom so she got into bed put the shoes by the bed for some reason in the morning they were by the bathroom
1: that's just rats maybe that's a total New Orleans rats
2: maybe Deshaun
1: <laughs> so now he's got a shoe fetish too? yes
2: mm-hmm. and when they gathered their luggage to leave the next day they noticed that the bronze statue was completely turned 180 from the place they put it before they went to sleep booty out? yeah
1: mm-hmm crazy.
2: So who was it? Was it a ghost? Was it Deshaun? I don't know why we brought Deshaun in. that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Everyone who has booked this hotel has been a masseuse. I, that's all I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> so now we get to the part where there's the ghostly children of the Mansion Magnolia, but the crazy thing about people seeing kids running around here is that it's an adults-only hotel. So, this must have been kids either way back in the day, 1857, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, still hanging around. And so what the guests say is they say they hear a lot of children at night and they'll hear them like running up and down the stairs. And the innkeepers have to be like, well, there's no children staying here. So I guess Mm -hmm. that's part of the ambiance of staying in the hotel
1: well you said it was a school before right yeah yeah so it could be that makes sense
2: yeah but would the kid would the
1: well but there's a couple of hotels in new orleans that are adults only because of the haunted children like the jackson hotel in the quarter will tell you that kids died in a fire there when people complain about children and that's why they don't let children stay there so they don't have to argue with the guests they're like no it's just ghosts we're sorry there's no kids here that's crazy. It these is people
2: cra- work. So no one knows who these ghost children are. And one one tenant or not tenant, one renter or not renter, one guest her, guest. Thank you. It's, again, just very rough. Uh, <laughs> one guest <laughs> spotted this young girl across the street and realized this young girl was by herself and looked down and was going to walk across the street to help the young girl. When they looked down, look up, the young girl was right in front of their face. (laughs) And then when the young girl opened her mouth to speak, water came out of her mouth and splashed onto the concrete and wet the person's shoes. (laughs) What? That would freak me out. I'd be like, what in the F is going on? And the girl vanished right in front of the person's face. So the legend or the myth, or whatever you want to call it, is that this little girl is the niece of the Garden District's property's first owner, which we don't know. So it was, somebody owned the property, so it may have not been Harris, someone else, but she drowned in a lake where the mansion sends it. So this was the property, it wasn't Harris. This is the property before, just land. And it was the niece oh, okay. of the guy who drowned in the lake on the property before, and that's the legend that she just haunts people now. <laughs> I I don't know. See, nowadays I think I just want to see it. I'd want to see this just to Yeah, you definitely want to see it. Just to bring like all these people tell you stories. Mm-hmm. And you just like show me. Like I've seen enough horror movies, I know it'd freak me out. Probably wouldn't sleep for a week. That's okay. Be like Episode justified.
1: I'm always afraid that shit's gonna follow me home.
2: That's yeah.
1: Like you, I, don't, I don't need you to.
0: You also, after it happens, you're gonna question yourself for the
2: rest of your life. Like, what did I just see? Right. What does that mean? Why is, what does this water splashing on my feet mean? Mm 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 mm. So like I said, it's a boutique hotel today with these guest rooms. Some of them have themes. And if you aren't able to stay there, if you don't want to stay there, they still have a restaurant on the first floor you can go to to go see. And like Nox said, if you don't even want to do that, you can go online. You can look at all the rooms. They have pictures of everything. It's pretty. Yeah.
1: It's definitely pretty.
2: So if you do want to stay there, obviously, you may have some unexpected visitors.
1: Where are so. you waiting? That's shoes, a wild one. Well, have said some
0: wild ones before, man, but that's pretty... That's pretty wild. There's Crazy. way too many instances of things happening for something not to be happening. And the girl with the water coming out of her mouth—you're right, man. That would, that would <laughs> just scare the bug. I could—I'm
2: like when I read that. I could—I'm just picturing the movie scene yeah. with that, because I've seen stuff before in *Haunting of Hill House* where he looks down, oh my God. looks up, boom—yeah, she's right in his face, and then she opens up her mouth like a. It opens up way too far than it should, screams, Mm when the episode ends. I'm like, that's exactly what I thought of, except for Mm -hmm. water splash. Crazy. So anyway, Mansion Magnolia. We should uh, do a podcast from inside the house one
1: night.
2: Ooh, that'd be nice. 2.30 a.m. Oh,
1: let's do it.
2: Get stroked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Deshawn will be there, Uh, the innkeeper will be there. We just gotta
1: put out an invite.
0: They'll be therapist. <laughs> oh man. But we brought you some grey stories tonight. Lynn, I thought your po boy story was history. I'm We're, kinda uh, hungry now. Uh, yeah. Right? right? You're going, you're going to Hawaii. I am. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah.
1: Piggies. I'm gonna have a, a roasted piggy. Yeah, that'll yes. be fun.
0: And then you can try your hula. You know, see if your hips.
1: <laughs> My niece told me last night. I know how to hula, I can teach you and then we'll do it together. Like while we're in Hawaii. We'll see. Let's I don't know if I want to appropriate that Right.
0: Nothing like a white girl. Just probably. do it like Shakira. Right.
2: <laughs> Watch Shakira videos.
0: But do I do the hey, oh, hey,
1: oh, hey.
2: Absolutely
1: You
0: should you should That's Are, the you okay? pin. Are you okay? You should uh, monkey on a stick, too. Oh. Oh. <laughs> The, the, yeah, this is how we hood the world. It's monkey yeah. on the stick, monkey on the stick. I just Get need it. to pull out
1: some Frida.
0: <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for your patience. Yeah. Uh, check out uh, Lee's Grain Free .com. com. Check out The Grind. HitTheGrind.com. HitTheGrind.com. Hit yes. Check us out on Spotify, Audacity. It's not even radio.com. Odyssey.
2: Odyssey.
1: Uh, yeah, it's Odyssey. Odyssey is.
2: Uh-huh. Radio.com is now Odyssey, which is A U D. Audio, Audacity, Odyssey. All mixed into three. I'm sorry. Uh, anywhere you find your podcast,
0: that's where we're at yeah. uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Uh, we'll, we'll start letting you know when the new ones come out or the old ones. Maybe we'll do some
2: throwbacks. Yeah, and we'll give a shout out too on our pages for supporters and everything. So.
0: Colonel, please email us again. We really did love it. We miss you. Yeah. I feel
2: like nowadays, the more someone sends out hate about you, the more publicity you get. Yeah. And you get, you'll get, you lose half the followers, but you'll also gain half the followers. He's probably telling all his friends,
1: oh, I podcast.
0: And his, his friends would never hear of us. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Maybe right? we should share the Colonel's email and Ooh. see if our other five listeners agree. We
0: okay. should. All okay. Right. We're gonna put that on. Uh, we'll put it on the page. Yeah.
2: Put it on one page. It goes to all the pages. Yeah. And uh
0: we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next see Tuesday. See
1: you next
2: Tuesday. Mm-hmm.